0: Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. We are your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Today we have a great show for you. We're going to talk about the multifamily market. You know, apartments have been very hot performance-wise and in the investment sales market. So we'll look at the performance, we'll look at cap rates, we'll look at some management tips and talk about the apartment industry. Please welcome my first guest. It's Jay Parsons. He's Director of Analytics and Forecast with NPF Research, which is a division of RealPage. Jay, thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, thank you for having me.
0: Well, Jay, thank you and uh, I guess we all feel that 2014 was great for performance and and rental rates and occupancy, but uh, what was the real story? How did it end up?
1: Well, you know, Michael, I hate to sound like a shrill for the industry, but the, the numbers are just so good it's hard to uh, downplay that story. It uh, really was an incredible year for the apartment industry. Um, what going into this year, if you recall, a year ago, everyone was talking about all the was going to be hitting the market, and so surely demand couldn't keep pace, rent growth was going to tick down, um, and the opposite occurred. We did complete a lot of units, it over the past year, uh, the highest since 2000, uh, but demand was incredibly strong, more than 250,000 units absorbed on net for the nation's core uh, 100 metros, so as, as a result of all that, vacancy ticked down 30 basis points. Um, and that uh, comes in at 4.7% as of Q4. Um, and again, very impressive story. And the rent numbers are even better. Um, a year ago, it really looked like rent growth was leveling off around 3%. And a lot of investors were starting to say that the best days for NOI growth are in the rearview mirror and need to start looking at um, other um, sectors of commercial real estate for, for better upside. But rent growth really accelerated beyond even the most optimistic of expectations uh, 4.6% growth in new leases. Uh, in 2014, and that nearly matches the peak that we saw earlier in this cycle back in 2011, and it's only the third time since 2001 that we got above 4.5. Yeah,
0: you know, that's incredible, because if I had to put that kind of rental rate growth in my performance, the investors would have said, no way, right? Oh, yeah, they, well, they
1: would have shot you down <laughs> really quick.
0: <laughs> and, it, and is that for uh, Class A and B, uh, what, that performance?
1: Yes, that's, that's overall, mm-hmm. and uh, when you look at the different classes, uh, B is certainly in the standouts right now, uh, but even the A's have done better than expected. I mean, given the amount of supply, um, you would have thought that rent growth would be leveling off in the A's, but that hasn't happened.
0: Okay, so what do you expect moving forward? Uh, what's the crystal ball look like?
1: Well, you know, it's 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 pretty tough to, to look forward. Uh, I think there's a wide range of performance uh, possibilities in the performance. Um, made the case that we could sustain rent growth of four percent given the strong demand tailwinds that we see. Um, you know the real challenge in looking ahead is that we're really in some uncharted waters relative to the last 15 years. And uh, you think back to the last few supply peaks that we had in the last 15 years, early 2000s, and then again 2008, 2009, um, those supply peaks were met by recessions. And so really, for the first time in more than 15 years, we have a lot of supply at the same time we are actually getting really good job growth. So, um, so you know, we have to go back to the you know, right, right around 2000 to really uh, get a comparable period to look at. So our baseline view is kind of a moderate view. We think occupancy is going to take down about uh, 40 basis points um, just because of so much supply hitting ne- next year. We'll uh, have even more um, in 2015. We had 2014. It will be the highest level since the late 1980s. Um, But we think demand remains very strong, just probably not to keep up with supply. I've already burnt off a lot of that pent-up demand that we've seen for those new units. Um, And rent growth, we still see is a very good story, but but certainly decelerating from the 2014 number. uh, We're forecasting rent growth of 3.6%. But again, that's that's still a really good number relative to historical norms.
0: Right. Yeah, you you can't lose sight that just because we had such a robust 2014 that uh, 3.6 rate growth. That's that's credible. I mean, that's really strong. Um, and so what about for the different classes? So what about A, B, and C for uh, next year?
1: Well, you know, the Bs still look really good. Um, you have um, really low vacancy rates in that B product across the country. Um, one of the really good stories has been in, in some of these high-supply markets, Um, where we've seen really, really strong demand, places like uh, the Pacific Northwest, Bay Area, Denver, Texas, um, even the Carolinas and Nashville to some degree, Uh, those bees that are less competitive with the uh, new supply coming in, they have just done absolutely phenomenally well. And so, you know, we think that may taper off a little bit. You may start to hit some income thresholds in some of these spots, but, um, but they still should do pretty well. Um, And I think that the bigger question is with the A's, you know, again, with a lot of supply, you know, does that start to catch up a little bit where all of a sudden, you know, at this point we've not seen the A's affected too much in terms of losing renters to these new units. Uh, But if that starts happening a little bit, I think that we could see rent growth tick down a bit in the A's, and that may bring down overall performance a bit.
0: Okay. And we're talking with Jay Parsons, Director of Analytics with NPF Research a division of RealPage. And, and Jay, what about investment sales for 2014? It seems like it's been a really hot market. Uh, you're
1: absolutely right. I mean, mm-hmm. apartments remain kind of the, the crown jewel in commercial real estate at this point. Um, it was the 2014 was the biggest year on record in terms of sales, um, $112 billion, uh, according to RCA. It was up 9% since uh, 2013, and it's 7% above 2007, and that, that's a significant number because 2007 was the previous high um, on record. So um, we also saw big growth in apartment prices, and, and again, really, it's when you go back to pre-recession to where we are today, um, on the, both the rent side and also on the uh, pricing side, you know, that, that, that growth is, is certainly above anything that we've seen in other, other uh, commercial real estate sectors.
0: And what are you seeing for cap rate trends?
1: You know, (laughs) everyone thought they couldn't get any lower, and (laughs) sure enough, they did. In 2014, um, we now have cap rates under 6%, lowest in a decade, according to RCA. Um, We see gardens are just north of 6%, while mid-rises and high-rises around 5%. And, of course, in some of these core markets, you're seeing cap rates in the threes.
0: And what about cap rates moving forward, especially if we have a slight uptick in interest rates you know we're having a an increase in new supply right so so what's the uh pro cap rates moving forward uh and michael i
1: think that's the toughest question going ahead just yeah. because you know again, if you go back 12 months ago I mean, was there a person in the industry who didn't think that interest rates were going up um and then sure enough they went down and mm-hmm. uh you know there's some talk that maybe mid-year or in the fall the fed may increase rates but now, bear in mind, there's very little pressure on the Fed to increase the um, the, 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 the interest rates right now. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty in the rest of the world that's driven up demand for treasuries, and it's also driving demand for uh, U.S. commercial real estate. So I think you can make the case that um, even if interest rates go up a little bit, uh, cap rates may stay roughly where they are now just because, uh, first of all, the demand, and second of all, because the spreads uh... on both the equity and the debt side uh, are still really attractive um, historically speaking
0: what about the impact of, of new supply especially for cap rates for these core class a uh... institutional quality properties
1: well I, I, you know, at this point i think we would have seen an impact if that was going to be a factor but mm-hmm. i think what we're seeing is that the institutions are saying that hey we really want to be in these markets and they've kind of grown those you know from sexy six are now kind of expanding into places like denver and dallas kind of that next tier. Uh, but I think what we're seeing is that they're, you know, betting in the long term demand tailwinds for these places. And, and um, what, what's really happening is not so much a shift in the cap rates, but, but in some cases a preference to say, hey, you know, the acquisition numbers don't make sense anymore, so we're going to build instead. Um, and and that's, that's how they're still getting in those markets.
0: Right, yeah, I think we're going to see construction continue to to ramp up, especially some of the cities that haven't seen a lot of uh, construction yet. Well, Jay, what is in the numbers that might surprise people?
1: Uh, Well, Michael, that's a great question right now because everyone's kind of you know, investors are always looking at you know where, where's where's where the inefficiencies in the market, where's the next opportunity, and you know in this phase of the cycle, there's been just or this cycle overall, I should say, there's been just so much buzz about you know the urban phenomenon, and it's a very real phenomenon. Please don't you know get me wrong on that. I'm a big believer in it. But at this point, when you look at the at, at the overall fundamentals, the suburban story is is I think has been downplayed to a good degree. Uh, we've done some studies looking at um, fundamentals going back throughout multiple cycles uh and throughout this current cycle. And when you look at good suburban areas, you see very similar performance in both occupancy and in rent growth numbers compared to those central business districts. And the key is really looking at good suburbs, those vibrant uh suburban areas that have lots of jobs and a lot of the amenities, the retail options, proximity to highways, higher incomes, higher home values, the kind of characteristics that you tend to see in the urban spots. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of treating all suburbs like they're the same thing. And, you know, if you think of whatever metro area you're from, you, know, you all know there's, there's good suburbs and there's bad suburbs. And those good suburbs, I think, offer better opportunity at this point, particularly because cap rates tend to be um, about 50 basis points higher on average uh, in those suburban places.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it comes down to it, real estate's uh, local, and you can see a community uh, be a lot perform a lot better that's uh, maybe a half mile away. Well, Jay, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today, we're talking about the multifamily sector. Please welcome my next guest, Stephen Marks. He's Managing Director with Fitch Ratings. Stephen, thanks for joining us today.
2: Michael, thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, we appreciate it. And my first question for you, Stephen, is, is how did multifamily REITs perform in 2014 compared to, to other REITs and into the market in general?
2: the the multifamily reits uh, did did great the uh over the last 12 months the the multifamily REIT index was up roughly 50% that compares to the the broader US equity REIT index of being up roughly about 37% and uh, and the S&P 500 was sort of in the in the low single digits and and the multifamily REITs were the the best equity performers uh in the REIT space other than manufactured homes
0: wow and so, what is your outlook for uh, REITs and, and multi-family REITs moving forward?
2: Sure, uh, we we have a uh, a stable rating outlook for REITs heading into O fifteen, mm-hmm. uh, and a uh, a positive sector outlook. And so, it's two different things. The stable rating outlook is really is based on a couple of drivers. One is that we continue to expect continued solid liquidity in terms of access to capital across uh, across the capital stack. We do envision that there's going to be improving property-level fundamentals across nearly all asset classes. Uh, And lastly, uh, we think that REITs are going to continue to embrace lower-risk strategies in terms of how they fund their development and how they do development generally. Some of those positive elements are balanced by a couple things. One is relatively unchanged leverage, a continued slow economic recovery and and some concerns about about interest rates um, now that's that's the rating outlook the sector outlook we actually bumped up to positive for a couple things and, and a lot of these we think are secular changes that are happening within the REITs sector uh... coming out of the recession in uh... in oh nine oh ten and namely these are things such as stronger tighter portfolio focus uh... lower risk growth strategies as i mentioned before in terms of development really good liquidity management We don't see there being a lot of uh, share repurchase risk in the sector, Uh, and in general, we think that companies are going to to continue to focus on
0: having strong credit quality. Okay, and we're talking with Stephen Marks, Managing Director with Fitch Ratings, and Stephen, what are some things that investors should think about today?
2: Uh, Well... Well, for sure, when it relates to the the multifamily sector, um, I mean, we do have a have a couple of things that that we think are important to think about. Some of the major themes. Is, I think the first thing is is that there are some supply concerns in some specific markets. Um, uh, in fact, our expectations are that 2015 deliveries represent roughly two percent of total nationwide stock. That compares to about 1.3 average over the last 15 years. So, there are going to be there's going to be more supply coming online over the next year or two in a particular market such as Denver Nashville Seattle and Boston are markets where where those uh, those deliveries are going to be above averages and that that's that is a concern certainly supply and I think the second thing is there is there is an interplay and there are certainly some shifting sands between home ownership and renting uh, it's our view that that uh, it is somewhat of a zero-sum game that uh, I think there, there some some folks have a view that that uh, as home ownership increases, that's, that strengthens the economy, and that helps multifamily as well. Our view is that that we don't believe that. Uh, so not quite a zero-sum game, but but uh, any any loss in home ownership benefits uh, benefits the multifamily sector disproportionately.
0: Well, that would make sense because you think at some point the single-family home market will will stabilize, and then you'll have your occupancy in your apartments. And then, if you do have people who are renting who who buy homes, uh, it's not like you're going to have a big surge in jobs. That that seems to make sense. Yeah,
2: yeah, we we think so. And and there's also a broader, an a broader secular shift happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks are getting folks are getting uh, married later. They're having babies later. They need they need houses later in life. And we think that's going to put a break to some degree on, on any growth in home, home ownership. Certainly a lot of folks coming out of college have student loans. It's harder for them to, to sort of meet some of the credit standards in order to obtain a home mortgage. And all that certainly does benefit multifamily.
0: Right. And so that's some of the factors there that are just going to keep occupancy and rates uh, uh, continue to go strong. But so your only concern is maybe in some of these uh, cities where they're building a lot of new supply.
2: That, that, that's exactly right. and And uh, to, to reach credit, I think a lot of them recognize and acknowledge that there was a supply wave coming. and mm-hmm. so many of them have actually toned down their development pipelines and and their goal is to wrap up a lot of their development by fifteen and heading into sixteen because they just didn't want to compete with a lot of the merchant builders and and some of the, some of the dedicated developers out there.
0: Okay. And what role has uh, Fannie and Freddie played in the financing and multifamily?
2: Well, certainly Fannie and Freddie are uh, are big players mm-hmm. in the sector. And um, and it's our view that that uh, you know multifamily REITs' ability to to have higher leverage uh, certainly uh, provides them with the ability to to have stronger ratings because there's an effectively a backstop, if you will, given the the liquidity provided by the GSEs. And should that backstop change uh, in some in some sense, we would certainly consider how we think about the multifamily REITs from a credit standpoint. But more broadly, how we do think about the GSEs is that. Uh, we did expect that there would be uh, a reduction in originations uh, and a shrinking balance sheet but what happened during 0 was was that that didn't happen and the fh fa director melvin watt in some ways deemphasized some of his predecessor's goals namely uh, shrinking multifamily exposure so um, we don't envision there being a, a significant pullback uh, by the GSEs in terms of their their dedication and their commitment to the multifamily sector anytime soon certainly it's it is somewhat of a political issue um, and these things tend to take place on a protracted timetable.
0: Okay. And talk to us a little bit more about interest rates and, and, and their impact possibly on the multifamily market moving forward.
2: It, it, could, it could cut a, a couple ways. Uh, if an increase in interest rates is driven by a strengthening economy, growth in employment, then hence that would probably drive uh, household formation, that would certainly be good for multifamily. Uh, if if uh, interest rates were to increase in somewhat of a spike a uh, scenario that would be bad, given that multifamily has, has the shortest lease terms in the REIT space, and and those rents would probably, probably probably react more quickly uh, and more negatively. Uh, that's on the fundamental side, and then on the valuation side, uh, there, there's two elements of it. There's the at, the valuation of the assets, and there's the valuations of the of the stocks. Um, on the asset side, typically cap rates increase uh, when interest rates increase, and if cap rates increase more quickly than interest rates increase, that could be more of a concern. Uh, or, or in in particular, cap rates increase more quickly than underlying cash flows increase, that would cause a reduction in value. Um, But there is a cushion if you look at cap rates, the difference between cap rates and interest rates. There's a substantial cushion right now, so we don't envision that cap rates and interest rates would would increase in lockstep. And then on the equity side, there has been shown to be a correlation between interest rates and equity returns. Uh, as, As interest rates go up, equity returns tend to go down. The mitigant to that is that there is a wall of capital continuing to chase yield. REITs are a yield product, um, and so we don't envision there uh, being a substantial pullback on the equity side, even if rates do increase.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, what are some quick tips for investors who are considering investing in REITs? What are some of the things that they should look at?
2: Well, certainly it, it kind of ties back to how we think about the outlook from a credit standpoint, is that it, folks. Uh, Folks probably, probably need to consider companies' risk appetites. Um, are they willing to do speculative development? Are they willing to buy back stock? Um, uh, you know, generally, I, I think there have been a lot of studies that have shown that, that lower levered REITs tend to perform better. Um, companies with lower development pipelines tend to perform better over time, um, which is somewhat counter, counterintuitive because one would think that. To the extent that companies were to, were to use leverage on an asset class like real estate, that would result in higher equity returns. But in fact, it's been just the opposite. The equity market really seems to like uh, to like companies that are lower levered, and and certainly as as a credit guy following REITs from that perspective, um, you know we view certainly lower leverage and and lower risk strategies more positively.
0: Okay, well, Stephen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Great, Michael. Thank you very much for having me. And for more information, uh, visit FitchRatings.com. This is Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. We'll have more on the multifamily market. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. Please welcome my next guest, Doug Culkin. He's president and CEO of the National Apartment Association. Doug, thanks for joining us today.
3: Happy to be here, Michael.
0: Well, we sure appreciate it. And boy, the apartment industry is is having a great run. Uh, It seems like it will last forever. We know it never will. And one of the things that that you guys have have done well at is knowing what's on the minds and what's going on with with your members around the country. So I know you did a a survey, uh, a 2014 survey of 3,698 properties. And one of the things that you, you found from that survey is how annual net operating income and average rents compared to, say 2012 and i think the listeners and viewers might find that interesting
3: well thank you michael uh yeah because the industry has been has been so strong for the last few years uh, one of the things that we always want to do is make sure we're on top of what's happening and hopefully we're looking out a little bit uh, you know but of, of the properties who responded and there were almost 3,700 of them uh we have found that um net operating income has uh has increased from what it was the prior year uh, you know, and it was, uh, it was up by 2.6 percentage points, which was really higher than a lot of the folks uh, had thought and projected. And just for, for people who may not be aware, NOI is a key measurement of evaluating the health of a property in the rental housing market and it's defined as the difference between total revenue collected and total operational expense. So that means whatever is left represents the, the gross cash available for debt service, capital expenditures, and obviously, most importantly, to the owners, profits. Um, so, you know, this was a very strong indicator um, that we, we saw during the year. At the same time, we're seeing that the operating costs uh, on those properties have have also declined. They they declined by 2.4 percent from the previous year's um, study. Now, one of the things you know we'll we'll probably see in in next year is um, you know with the way oil has has dropped over the last five or six months, is probably going to further reduce that in in some areas of the country, uh, particularly where they use either oil or, or gas heat for, uh, you know for heating or or gas for for air conditioning so you know it's it's looking very very strong um, rents went up an average of about uh... three point seven percent in uh, in two thousand fourteen which again is another strong sign uh... as you said we we're almost kind of scared that how long will this uh... will this trend continue but right now uh, we've not seen a lot of indicators that that say, you know, um, it's going to stop, you know, anytime soon. But again, there is so many factors that that can be evaluated and come into play that we may not even be thinking of as we're as we're talking this afternoon. That, you know, a month from now could come out and and change the whole picture. So that's something we always try to stay on that and look and see what's happening.
0: Well, that's interesting, and I think a lot of our listeners and viewers might realize that uh, rents and NOI may have increased, but maybe not that uh, operating expenses have uh, declined. So you said about the the oil and fuel prices, are there any other areas where operating expenses have actually declined?
3: Well, I, you know, I think we, we look at all of that. I think our owners are doing a better job of managing all of their costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was a there was a big uh, push for a while to, where, we, where everyone looked at revenue management and they were getting into uh, products and services that helped them to do that. And then a lot of the owners realized, well, the expenses are just as important. So anything that they can do to um, bring down all of those costs helps them to generate more revenue. Um, so, you know, I think we're looking at uh, energy costs, Certainly have gone down. Uh, you know, some of the operating costs that that some of our folks uh, work with, you know, have gone down as well. But obviously, the the big one has been energy. And I just think uh, overall, our owner operators are, are more efficient at at managing and, and tracking those costs. You know, I think lots of people, uh, you know, particularly when when things were going tough in in 2008. Uh, our members started looking at everything, income, expenses, and we're looking at ways to maximize the returns in both areas. And I think we're starting to see the, the results of that now. Uh, and so as long as they continue in this effort, um, I think they'll do a much better job, and their on-site uh, managers are doing a better job of, of maximizing those returns.
0: Right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's great to see uh, expenses come down and the apartment market, market doing so well. And, and if you go to, to your website, it's naahq.org. Uh, there's more information on expenses. And, and be sure to catch Doug on a show that's coming up on Associations That Matter. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on the multifamily market. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. commercial real estate show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back to the commercial real estate show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're talking about the multifamily market in the U.S. Please welcome my next guest, Phil Tag. He is president of Amley Residential. He's also chairman of Amley Development. Uh, Amley is uh, has twenty thousand apartment homes across nine U.S. markets. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being in Studio One. Thank you, Michael. I uh, look forward to it. Well, Phil, we've heard about uh, the market from from the analysts. They always do a good job. But it's also interesting to see someone who's actually on the front line or owns these properties. You guys have a lot of uh, units around the country. What do you see for 2014? How did it wrap up?
4: Well, this has been the golden era of apartment ownership over the last three or four years. Uh, We have uh, regularly exceeded 5% on revenue increases and NOI increases north of that and i don't know in my lifetime we're ever going to see this uh, period of time again we're projecting in 2015 similar sort of four or five percent rental increases noi increases in the same range if not a little bit higher Um, some expenses are going up obviously real estate taxes utilities in particular but this is uh the golden era for apartment ownership
0: Wow. So you really expect this to continue into next year and and the year after? How long is this going to last?
4: I don't know about the year after, (laughs) but I I think it's going to last through 2015. Uh, We we are in nine cities, as you mentioned. One of them happens to be Houston, which everybody uh, now treats as toxic material. (laughs) And uh, uh, so far, it has not shown up in our numbers, but obviously it's early in uh, whatever the fallout is from the oil plunge.
0: Right. Well, yeah, you have the people in the oil business but you also have the uh consumers who have more dollars in their pocket right
4: yes that's absolutely true we're rooting for the consumers we're rooting for the millennials to earn more money okay and let's talk about prices uh what do you guys own
0: class a apartment communities all over the country what are you seeing for prices out there when you're acquiring or, or uh, selling properties
4: Similar to what I said operationally, this has been uh, apartment developers and owners who have sold properties. They've uh, reached for the holy grail over the last few years and particularly developers have achieved margins in some cases of 100% over their cost. And AMLE, we didn't reach 100%, but we achieved margins in the 30 to 75% range on all our development activity which is really unparalleled, at least in my 35 years of experience. Um, Typically, the margin that is achieved is about 15 percent. So I don't expect this to last. Obviously, it's been partly uh, due to these uh, hefty rental increases when rents or revenues are going up 5 percent plus in a world of 2 percent inflation. That looks very powerful um, for uh, investors, but I don't expect this circumstance to uh, continue. But I still think that there will be a, a relatively healthy, normal margin in apartment development in, in the next couple of years. Yeah,
0: these are the Snoopy dance times, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, who do you see that you're competing with uh, or that are buying your properties when you're selling them? Are, are these uh, U.S. REITs? Do we have foreign investors? Uh, who's really active buying these communities?
4: Well, uh, coming out of the recession, mm-hmm. it was a lot of opportunistic people with uh, capital, and then the REITs uh, uh, shortly followed uh, because they were relatively well capitalized coming out of the recession. Uh, it's now transitioning into um, other capital sources, including uh, collections of individuals, some of the so-called tick buyers, tenants and common buyers, and uh, we're seeing, various sources of foreign capital uh, start to uh, compete aggressively for apartments, including Chinese capital and other South Asian countries. Uh, in some respects, that's a little worrisome because you think back in the late 80s with the Japanese um, buying a real estate at the peak in the U.S. and More recently, Russian buying, uh, perhaps close to the peak back in the uh, early part of the last decade. So um, it remains to be seen, but uh, there is now a lot of foreign capital chasing apartment communities.
0: And share with our listeners and viewers, if you will, some of the cap rates you're seeing on these, these Class A properties.
4: It's almost embarrassing they're so low, but in coastal cities, uh, New York, Boston, Miami, LA, San Francisco, Seattle, they're sub four uh, in a lot of cases for Class A high rise property. And uh, it it is just remarkable how low they have sunk. And even with um, uh, Class B and Class C apartments, they have compressed a great deal. Class C apartments, I don't think you can buy them for a cap rate of six or, or greater than that. I think they're in the five range. And Class B often is in the low five to high fours, uh, depending on which city you're in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great time. And with these types of returns that you're talking about, these type of rent increases, obviously it's been time to build. Uh, you, tell us what you guys are doing in the development world.
4: We're making a big bet and have been in the last several years. We have over 3,000 apartment units in uh, production right now, in some stage of production. That's about two and a half billion dollars of uh, capital. We are not alone, unfortunately. There are hordes of other people, including non-multifamily developers, who have uh, launched projects across the country. And I, it still seems to be at a fairly restrained uh, level of about four to five hundred thousand new starts. But unfortunately, almost all the new starts are in the best two or three sub markets in each of the major cities, so it's not spread out as much as it used to be, and uh, so that's a little worrisome.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, I tell you, when I talk to the analysts around the country, they seem to indicate that, you know, with the millennials and with the housing market and with student uh, loan costs and you, know, you just go on and on it seems like there's just a multiple reasons why this market should continue uh, to be robust and, and I don't blame you for going out there and building today, especially with the types of returns you're talking about and the, and the financing you can get, the cost of money is, is so low, it's a great time. Well stay tuned we're going to take a short break, when we get back we'll talk about some of these new communities, what's hot in these new communities and what should we expect moving forward. I'm Michael Bull this is the Commercial Real Estate Show Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about the apartment market, multifamily properties in the U.S. Phil Teg is my guest. He's with Amley and you guys are building. Uh, How different is a new community today? I think uh, some people may not realize how the new communities are being built and some of the amenities that they have.
4: Well, they've all been ratcheted up, obviously. Mm. Uh, For example, in the interior of the units, uh, quartz is king. Everyone's putting in quartz countertops. Mm -hmm. Granite's kind of become passe, larger cabinets. Cool technology, um, uh, Bluetooth speakers in the walls, uh, a lot of Nest thermostats, um, trying to keep our uh, residents connected as what they prefer and they prefer contacting our, um, uh, our leasing office uh, via social media rather than walking in and actually interacting with our people. So we try to accommodate that. I think on the amenity side, uh, you're seeing some unusual things such as bowling alleys, small bowling alleys, couple bowling lanes, basketball courts have been resurrected. Uh, there are lots and lots of wired, uh, big screen TV cabanas uh, that are around pools now. And, um, and we have the best spas in the U.S. in our apartment communities. Of course it's for dogs, not for people. <laughs> but uh, our, sp- do- our spas for dogs are outstanding, and not unexpectedly our residents want them because about 65% of them have pets. Children are passe, so pets are who <laughs> lives in the apartments. Well, that's
0: interesting to hear because I think, uh, you know, even myself, I don't, I don't think I even fully realize how many people really have a pet. And if you if you shun uh, tenants with pets, you're losing out a big part of the market, yeah, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely.
4: So the, I think the, the the other thing, Michael, that we we've concentrated on as a company is uh, des, er, er, having all our apartment communities designed to be lead certified, mm-hmm. which is not um, uh, typically doesn't typically matter to our prospects, but I think over time there's a slow building up of concern about. Uh, what uh, real estate community is doing to the environment and I think this is something that's somewhat helpful and uh, will over time uh, play to the, um, to the intellectual uh, desires of our residents.
0: Yeah, well that's a good point and also I think the, the cost savings for the tenants can be important. I know I grew up in the apartment management business and, and, and have always sold apartments and you know a lot of the tenants would ask me when I was a young leasing guy, was, well, how much my utility is going to run so obviously there's savings there and then when you're selling these properties one day when you're building nicer newer ones and you're selling them the investors are going to like that lead certification aren't they?
4: That's absolutely true and the, the other thing is that it's a healthier unit uh, low yeah. VOC uh, items typically they're non-smoking communities mm-hmm. so people with asthma and allergies uh, like the apartments as yeah. well. Tell us a little bit about
0: the math about the supply and the demand for apartments
4: Well, as I said, uh, demand remains robust. The way we look at it last year in 2014 and projected this year, country is going to create about 2 million plus jobs. Mm -hmm. About uh, 35 percent, each new job typically equates to a new household. Each new household needs a housing unit. Um, About 35 percent of the population lives in apartments. You apply 35 percent to the 2 million. New households, and it's about 700,000 uh, demands um, uh, quotient for units, and uh, the country is going to produce about 500,000 new apartment units next year. So. Uh, that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but I think that there uh, is continuing to be growth of demand in excess of what new supply will be.
0: How about a quick closing tip for our listeners and viewers?
4: I'd I just help, uh, help my fellow developers take a year <laughs> off and spend it in one of those wired big screen cabanas that they're building around the pool.
0: Phil, <laughs> thanks for joining us in Studio One today. Thank you very much,
4: Michael. I enjoyed it.
0: And thanks for joining us out there in uh, on YouTube and on the show website and on the 40 radio stations around the country we appreciate you join us and be sure to join us next week our show will be about associations that matter we'll talk to some of the leading commercial real estate associations and about their resources and about their training and about their networking so be sure and join us and until next week be sure that you always lead learn and laugh and join us for the commercial real estate show The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. RealNex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R E A L N E X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUOnline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X C E L I G E N T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREShow.com.